This is a focal point of so many people's lives. Have you got the nerve to stand there and expect me to believe that you don't want to marry my son for his money? It's true. Then what do you want to marry him for? I want to marry him for your money. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, it's another very special episode of Storytime. For those who don't remember our episodes from last season or the season before, and for those who didn't grow up in the 70s, whenever there was a very special episode of whatever show you were watching, they were going to talk about very serious topics. So yeah, today I'm tackling some very serious topics. I mean, relationships are serious, right? The relationships between men and women and how we interact, that's serious, right? It is. It's serious. We either are in a relationship or we want to be in a relationship. That's pretty much the way the world works, isn't it? So I wanted to take some time to talk about relationships today and to tell some stories about how relationships, at least in my lifetime, and at least how I view them, have evolved. And it's so different now than when I was a kid. And that's really where I wanted to start. Because as you guys know, I'm an older dude. Things have changed a lot in the way relationships are formed, in the way they persist, in the way the participants view each other. And not everybody gets it. So I wanted to talk a little about what I grew up with and how attitudes have changed. And how that's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. As I've said about this podcast before... I want to pass on my stories and my information and my knowledge and my opinions to you guys to give you all some perspective. I know some of my listeners are my age. I know some of my listeners are my kids' age. And I know some of my listeners are younger than that. And maybe by telling you my perspective and my stories and my history, it'll give you a sense, if you're a younger person, of why your parents or your grandparents are so set in their ways and what they believe. And if you're my age, maybe it'll help you open your mind to other viewpoints. God knows I'm not a perfect person. I'm the first to list my faults for anybody who wants to listen. But one of the things that I do try to do is keep an open mind and evolve with the times. And I think that I've done that for the most part when it comes to relationships. But boy, it's been a challenge. And I'm going to tell you why. You've heard me talk about watching TV and movies when I was a kid. And that's where I got a lot of my perspective on the world. I didn't just watch 60s and 70s and 80s shows. I watched the shows from the 50s, and I watched movies from the 40s. And I grew up in what was the traditional nuclear family. Mother, father, kids, all living at home. Dad worked, mom stayed at home. That's the way it was. That's the norm. That's what I grew up with. Not only did I grow up with that, but everybody in my town, all of my neighbors, the exact same scenario. Mother, father, kids at home. Mother, for the most part, stayed at home. A couple of the local moms were either teachers or school nurses, but for the most part, were home. And I mean, that was everybody. So that was the norm that we had. A man and a woman got married. The man went to work. The woman stayed home to take care of the kids. And that was just the way it was. And not only was that the way it was in real life, but that's what we saw on TV. That's what we saw in the movies. In my experience, there was no aberration from that. That was what the world was. When I was growing up, people didn't live together. Boyfriends and girlfriends didn't live together. And forget about boyfriends and boyfriends or girlfriends and girlfriends. That wasn't a thing when I was growing up. I mean, it was a thing, but we didn't know anything about it. It wasn't portrayed in any media that we saw. It wasn't discussed in any literature that we read. 
The only thing we knew was husband, wife, kids, white picket fence, living at home. That's it. And I'm going to come back to that in a couple minutes. But before I come back to it, I want to tell you what that portrayal meant to us as kids. By and large, the boys were supposed to be the breadwinners. We were supposed to find a steady job. And we were supposed to find a potential mate. Every date was supposed to be kind of a screening process for the potential woman that we would marry. And this was true whether we were 12 or 15 or 22. Every date was part of the screening process. Am I going to marry her? Is she going to be a good mother for my kids? And by the same token, by and large, the girls in my school, they were more geared towards, well, where's my potential husband? Who's going to be a good provider? Who's going to be a good father? Because that's what the mindset was. Don't misunderstand. In my lifetime, when I was a kid, this mindset was changing. I was born and grew up in the middle of this revolution of feminism, of women's rights, of all of the good things that we have right now. These were all viewed as bad things. Well, we don't want them women leaving the house. We don't want women working. We don't want women in the workplace. That was the mentality, by and large, for the older generation when I was a kid. And that mentality, by the way, has been passed on to their kids, still to this day. But that's how ingrained in society it was. It not only was a thing when I was a kid, it's still a thing now by a certain segment of the population. That's what we're fighting against, by the way. This mentality that women only have one defined role and men only have one defined role. We're better now than we've ever been, but we're still far from perfect. But I've been witnessing this fight my entire life, and that's kind of what prompted my decision to do this very special episode today, because sometimes it needs to be talked about. Sometimes we need to remember where we were, and sometimes some of the younger folks have to understand that there's a whole bunch of idiots my age, and sometimes your only hope for those idiots is they're going to die off, because you're never going to change their minds. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. There are people who cannot change their minds. But the reason that I wanted to talk about this today is so that you at least understand where it comes from. And it comes from the fact that this is what was imprinted on us from a young age. Looking back, I can see that. At the time, I didn't realize what was going on. It was just what was being set up in my head. This is what society said, so this is what we did. But getting back to the dating process, this selection period where we're looking for our future spouses, the dating process that I grew up with was testing out who is going to be a good wife and mother. Now, what was understood in that equation was as part of that process, once you got married, not before, once you got married, you would then have sex. Sex was a part of the marriage, but only part of the marriage. And the societal view was sex after marriage, good. Sex before marriage, bad. Not only bad, sinful. And There was two divergent views on that. Sex before marriage for boys was bad. It wasn't horrible, but it was bad. Sex before marriage for girls? Oh my God, you harlot. You whore. You slut. If you were a girl who had sex before marriage, you think The Scarlet Letter was a book that was written about the 1600s? You just might as well put a red A on your sweater in the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s. It just wasn't done, and you were bad. I say it wasn't done. It actually was done. Everybody knows that it was done, but nobody talked about it. We didn't talk about that kind of thing. But that's why you hear people dancing around the subject from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Because while the dating ritual was pick your mate, set yourself up, get your wife or your husband, as horny teenagers, 
everybody wanted to have sex. Because guess what? Horny teenagers, since time immemorial, have always wanted to have sex. But we didn't talk about it. So that's what I grew up with. And that's why when you see some of the folks my age and older, and younger for that matter, you have this mentality that marriage is a contract between two people who love each other, who only have sex with each other, who take care of each other by the husband working and the wife staying at home and taking care of the family. It was drumbeat into our heads year after year after year. And that's why it's still stuck in so many people's heads. Now, part of that dating process, as I said, was finding the perfect mate. Now, what makes up the perfect mate? Well, for the girls, the guy had to be a good provider, had to have a good job, had to be dependable, had to be trustworthy, had to be loyal. For the guys, kind of the same thing, trustworthy, loyal. But for the guys, and this has been drilled into my head from an early age too, she had to be hot. She had to be Marilyn Monroe hot. She had to be Raquel Welsh hot. She had to be Anne Margaret hot. Beautiful face, beautiful hair, curves, boobs, all the fixtures that you want in a sexual object. That's what you were looking for in a wife. Basically, we were taught that we should look for the supermodel of our choice who matched what we wanted. Now, I know some guys are going to say, nah, that wasn't taught to me. Yeah, it was. You don't think it was? It was. It was. Because to a lot of people my age and older and younger, the woman was always an object. She was a partner, yes, but there was an objectification of the woman as an object to be earned, to own, to have as your wife. Because remember the original wedding vows. It wasn't husband and wife. It was man and wife. Those have been changed over the years. But the man got to be the man, and the woman became the wife. She was your thing. And so the mentality of a lot of men, and a lot of women where the men were looking for their supermodel wives who could take care of the house, cook, clean, take care of the kids, and looked hot in a bikini. And the wife should be satisfied that a man who was a good provider with a good job decided to marry her and make her his. Because that was the mentality. And I remember growing up, guys were taught to be manly. Come across as a man. No crying in public. No showing emotion. Be a tough guy. You got a job? Start working as soon as you can if you don't. One of the reasons I started working at 15, it was ingrained in my head. Start working, have a regular job, be dependable. Be a good worker, be a good provider. That's one of the reasons we had shop class. When I was growing up, boys went to shop. Shop class involved woodworking, that was one year, and metalworking, that was the other year. So in case you weren't going to get into a business school, you would at least have a trade. You could work with wood, be a carpenter. You could work with metal, be a welder. I learned all those skills in elementary school. 7th grade wood shop, 8th grade metal shop. We were being taught some kind of trade so that we could be a provider. The girls weren't allowed in shop class. The girls had home economics. What was home economics? Well, they learned to use the sewing machine. They learned how to work the kitchen utensils. They learned how to bake. I mean, I didn't attend home ec, but I could peek in the window and see what they were doing. Sewing, cooking, cleaning. That was a class in my elementary school because that's what the girls were being geared up for. And so you have that mentality through generation after generation after generation of kids going to the public schools all through the 1900s. It wasn't until the 60s and the 70s that this started to change. When I was in school, girls were still not allowed to be in shop, at least in my school. And boys were not allowed to be in home ec. 
at least in my school. We were not the most progressive school. Eventually, they came around before they did away with this curriculum. But those are the societal norms that we were being taught. That's what we were living, and that's what we were seeing in our day-to-day life. And all of this was reinforced in the movies that we watched and the sitcoms that we watched. Leave it to Beaver. Ward Cleaver went to work every day. June Cleaver stayed at home, took care of the kids in the house. Father knows best. Even the honeymooners, which didn't have kids, it was still Ralph Cramden going to drive the bus. Alice stayed at home. That was what we saw. And so it was reinforced in our heads that this was what life was. So when that's stuck in your head, when the time of the sexual revolution comes along in the late 60s and the early 70s, to the older generation and to those brought up in conservative homes, this was like Satan setting foot onto your town's main street and letting the demons run wild because it was upending everything that was normal about society. And I remember my parents decrying all of this stuff. People having sex before marriage openly. Now, I don't know if my parents fooled around before they got married, but I remember when I was a teenager, I sure wanted to. I was a late bloomer. I'm not going to lie to you. I fooled around before I got married. And by the way, see how I say fooled around? That's drilled into your head too. You don't talk about sex. Oftentimes when we talked about sex, we would say, hey, did you have sex? Because we didn't say those words out loud. Sex was a dirty thing. Sex is not a dirty thing, by the way. It's quite fun, but that's a topic for another podcast. We'll save that. But the fact that people were talking openly about sex and having sex before marriage and not shy about it. People were living together without the benefit of marriage. Oh, my parents were crazy about that stuff. One of the groundbreaking sitcoms when I was a kid, which is, looking back, one of the dumbest sitcoms ever, Three's Company. You have a guy and two girls sharing an apartment. None of them married to any of the others. Oh my god, the scandals involved in that. I mean, the plots are stupid. And the whole premise is really, totally out there. Applying today's sensibilities. I mean, Jack Tripper had to pretend to be gay because the landlord was way too conservative to accept that a guy and two girls could share an apartment. Not only was the landlord too conservative to accept that, a huge part of America was too conservative to accept that. And yet people watched. There was a huge show when it came out. But the concept, the concept of a guy and two girls living together in an apartment without the benefit of marriage, it was blasphemous. It was so outside the norm. People don't think of Three's Company as groundbreaking because it is kind of a stupid show, but it really was. It normalized, for some, the idea that men and women can exist platonically, and they can. Now, Jack Tripper is not the poster boy for a man who's got enlightened views. It's not like he stopped objectifying women. But it opened the door to the concept that platonic relationships can exist. But the people have to be mature enough, smart enough, and willing enough to make them work. But even if they're all willing to make it work, even if there is a platonic relationship... That'll never change the minds of the people who criticize it, who find fault with it, who don't like the whole idea. No matter how innocent things are, there are going to be judgmental people out there because of the way they were brought up, because of their unwillingness to change their views or to consider other viewpoints, which is far too many people. They have problems with it and can't accept it. They can't accept it. I'm bringing this up today because I've had conversations with older folks and folks younger than me, 
And it still amazes me how many people are so set in their ways and so unwilling to accept that the world has changed and is changing and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think one of the things that inspired me to talk about this was the development of the incel movement. I'm sure you've heard about it, but if you haven't, the involuntarily celibate idiots who are out there, those guys who believe they're entitled to have women whenever they want. It's such a Neanderthal mentality. It's such a throwback where the man believes he's entitled to rights and ownership of women, whether the women are interested or not. Back in the day, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, if you watch the movies from back then, the stuff that women had to put up with from men who were unwilling to take the hint that their advances were not wanted Back in those days, if a woman said no, it might have to be three or four or seven or eight or ten or fifteen no's. But eventually, the guy, usually a lecher, that was the term back then. He's such a lecher. He's such a creep. Creep was a good one, too. But usually, the lecher would get the hint and back off. But that lecher still had the mentality that, well, I should have her. I want her, so I should have her. It's part of an objectification of women that's been handed down and handed down and handed down and continues in certain segments of the population today. And that's the kind of thing that we're trying to fight as a society. We're trying to instill in all people that people, whether they're man or woman, gay or straight or trans, they're all just people. They're people with feelings and rights and agency. They're nobody's property. And whatever you think of them... You're allowed to think that, but that doesn't change the fact that people are people and they need to be treated with dignity and respect. There is so much hatred out there. There is so much hatred and I don't understand it. I mean, I do understand it to a point. People don't like to hear this, but society has been primarily a patriarchy for a long time, run by a bunch of old white guys who have no consideration for anybody except other old white guys with a sense of entitlement to whatever they want. And that attitude has been passed down for literally generations. And the fact that other people are finally, finally, finally getting a chance for some sort of equality, we're a long way from true equality, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But the fact that there is some semblance of equality starting to come to the forefront for more people has the people who were in power for so long very concerned. The reaction that you get to this equality, this recognition of other people's rights, is this misguided belief, this misguided notion that for someone else to be equal to me, I have to give something up. That's not what equality is. Equality is not me giving something up, but recognizing that every other person, no matter what race, creed, color, gender, No matter what, everybody else should have the same rights that I have. And whether that's the right to take shop class or take home ec class or have sex before marriage, whether that's the right to marry whoever you choose under whatever circumstances you choose or not to get married at all, whether it's the right to vote or to have a job, whatever the rights are, whatever rights I have as an old white dude, Everybody else should have those same rights. Well, I want to circle back because I went, I went down a road I wasn't quite going down, but that's kind of where this conversation was naturally leading anyway. 
because that bigger human rights argument is really an extension of what I started talking about, which was relationships. And I wanted to circle back to the relationship topic for a very specific reason. Relationships in this day and age can work and can be long-lasting, but they have to be based on an understanding of equality in the relationship. They have to be based on an understanding that the two people are equal partners with equal interests, equal feelings. Back when I was a kid, getting into a good relationship was kind of like a hunting trip. You had to stalk your prey. You wanted to capture your prey. You wanted to own your prey. And you wanted your prey to be subjected to whatever you wanted, with the ultimate goal being sexual conquest. And there's still that mindset today. That's where the incel movement comes from. Sexual conquest. You know what? Real relationships, lasting relationships, aren't based on sexual conquest. As I said earlier, sex is good, but that's not the basis for a long-lasting relationship. The basis for a long-lasting relationship is the understanding of the equality between the partners. And that's a key. Partners. It's not man and wife anymore. It's husband and wife. Or husband and husband, or wife and wife. However you do it, if you don't understand that you both have equal rights and equal agency in this partnership, it's not going to work. And even if you never formalize it, even if you live together for the rest of your lives, there still has to be that understanding, that sharing of hopes and dreams and responsibilities and burdens, that respect for each other's feelings and wishes, that unconditional support, no matter what, that's what a good relationship is based on. That was never taught to me as a kid. That was never part of the equation when I was a kid. When I was a kid, if you were dating someone and you liked them enough and it grew into love, there wasn't respect for each other's feelings. That wasn't part of it. Will she make a good mom? Does she know how to cook and clean? Will she take care of the kids? That's what I needed. But that's not what lasting relationships are built on. And that's why the divorce rate has gone up, because people have recognized that, yeah, there's more to it than conquest and sex. There's more to it than having somebody there when I get home at the end of the day. A real relationship is based on a mutual trust, a mutual understanding, a mutual respect. A real relationship is based on the fact that two people really, really like each other and have similar hopes and dreams, have similar likes and dislikes, but have enough differences to keep it interesting. And oh yeah, they get along sexually as well. That's part of the equation, but that's not the end result. You have to have that whole package to make a relationship last and to make a relationship worthwhile. I wish I'd known that early on. I wish society as it is now had existed many years ago when I was going through this process. I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. But the reason I'm telling you about it is so that if you're one of my older listeners, maybe you understand some of the younger folks. Or maybe you will now. Maybe you can see the things from their perspective. And for my younger listeners, I'm telling you because, number one, I'm hoping you'll avoid some of the heartache that I had. Number two, I'm hoping maybe you'll understand why your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, they may not get what you're doing because of the way they were brought up. Because here's the little surprise. People don't like to change. People don't like to change their minds. And people don't like to admit that they were wrong. If I ever tried to tell my dad he was wrong, he told me he was never wrong. I like to joke with my family, I'm never wrong. But I readily admit, there's times where I've been mistaken. It took me a while to learn all this, but thankfully I did. And thankfully, it brought me to Mrs. Gamerdude. Because Mrs. Gamerdude and I have developed the perfect relationship. We never say to each other, oh, you're perfect. But what we do say to each other is, you're perfect for me. 
Because that's the way a good relationship works. You may not be perfect, but if you're perfect for each other, if you complement each other in the right ways, if you're a sounding board for each other, if things work, if things are compatible, if you have understandings, even amongst your differences, that's what makes a relationship work. So I went pretty far afield this week, huh? That's something that's been kind of brewing in my head for a while. And I figure I may as well talk about it. I talk to you guys about everything. Maybe it will give you a little enlightenment on the way your parents' minds work or your kids' minds work or the way society views things these days that maybe you didn't understand before. And maybe I gave you a little enlightenment. If not enlightenment, then I hope it was at least entertaining. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you for putting up with my ranting and raving and opinionating. I know you may not agree with me, but I'm glad that you at least listened. I can't thank you enough for all the support you give me and the fact that you do listen. It means the world to me. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.